0: I feel different when I go to Ireland. Different from when I lived there. Maybe everybody feels that way. You don't feel like you 100% belong anywhere anymore. There's always going to be a portion of you that's Irish and always a portion of you that's a New Yorker. But maybe that's a really good mix. (laughs) Might be a good combination.
1: Welcome to Centerpiece NY, the stories of people, young and old, who have put down some serious roots in the Irish community in New York. This is Paul Finnegan, the creator, producer, and presenter of this podcast. Our centerpiece for this episode, our second episode of Season 2, is Jacqueline Keeley, who, during a decade of expanding adventures for the Irish nation, picked up and left a mighty town called Chewham in County Galway in Ireland to go on to stride the boards on many a New York stage, and more recently to perform movie roles. Before we launch into Jacqueline's story, I have to point out there is something a little off-kilter about Centerpiece and why. My male listeners probably haven't noticed, but I bet the ladies have. Of the eleven full episodes in the bag so far, spanning season one and two, only three Centerpieces have been women. I'm not sure what that says about this podcast, or about me. I know I prefer to record my interviews in person, so to some extent finding guests willing to sit down with me during a pandemic has been, at times, the luck of the draw, though no doubt that's not the only factor in this imbalance. So whatever the cause, going forward you'll see more evenness in the gender tally sheet, or a more earnest attempt at it anyway. Now you might say this is not such a big deal. You're enjoying the podcast regardless, and not everything has to be so woke. And the lads, in all fairness, can even be interesting. But I disagree, because there's an extra dimension to this. Centerpiece NY is the stories of those who have come to New York and put down some serious roots in the Irish community. And yet it's a fact that over the centuries the clear majority in this category are women. Ireland is the only country that can say this, incidentally. And of these millions of strong and independent Irish women, the vast majority were young and single and determined to make a go of it in America without the cultural imposition of having to be escorted by a man. Again, not many countries sending their sons and daughters to America can say that either, and Centerpiece NY should try to reflect this demographic proportionally, yes? This is one of those phenomena that deserves its very own podcast, but it does get me to thinking. What sort of culture produces such women? Ireland is not without its patriarchal tendencies and enshrined male dominance, but I might argue that these stem from the absorbed values of conquerors and of religions whose leaders are seated in faraway places, and that the true egalitarianism of the Celtic Gaelic spirit was laid out in their ancient Brehon laws before being thrown in the dustbin of history by foreign forces. Maybe, over the centuries, the women of Ireland, deep down, have never lost this sense of enablement, this sense of freedom to chart their own course, handed down imperceptibly from mother to daughter time after time, which may be why they bought those one-way tickets to America in their droves. Things to ponder lots of maybes and perhapses. So we leave the hypotheses to the experts, to the ones who have dedicated their lives to the poetic pursuit of knowledge and understanding. And let's get on with the common prose of storytelling. Now, I can't say if Jacqueline views herself this way, but the day she set foot in New York, for sure she exemplified this untethered, capable, and adventurous nature of Irish women. By the way, in common with Jacqueline, those three women from season one, Helen, Peggy, and Susan, they were all cut from the same cloth. They came to America on their own, ready to steep their hands in some of that optimism that America offers, And if nothing else, America at least gives you optimism. On a side note, all three of those ladies are grand and doing fine, the last I heard. As you'll hear, Jacqueline's life in New York has given her the chance to be in many fine theatrical and film productions. But before that, there was another stage, upon which she was moulded. That was the platform of her family and of a very unique town called Chum. Let's start then with that place, Chum. It's spelled T U A M, but don't let that fool you. So, Chum, tell me all about Chum. Help our American audience learn how to pronounce the name of that
0: town. Chum, pronounced uh, like C H O O M is in County Galway in the west of Ireland. It's a pretty historic town, rich in history and also rich in theatre and music. It was a really, really nice place to grow up and a very tight-knit community, lots of family and friends there. I had a wonderful childhood. It's just 21 miles from Galway City, and from Salt Hill and the beach. We had many trips there. I went to school in Chum. There were quite a few schools in the town. I went to the Mercy Convent, which was also a um, a boarding school, uh, the presentation school was also a boarding school, and St. Charlotte's was also a boarding school, so uh, it was a big hub for education, the whole surrounding area. All of the pupils came into Tume, that's where they studied. As I said, Tume had a rich background in theatre and all sorts of arts. Uh, they had several theatre companies, uh, the Toome Theatre Guild, Marion Choral Society, Mehill Theatre Company, and it was actually there that I started acting, and I was fortunate enough to be in several productions there. Started off at the Toome Theatre Guild, with Patricia King and did a couple of plays there. And then I did several productions with the Marion Choral Society and with Mehul Theatre Company. And they were really... F- fantastic productions and the directors were extremely talented and had great vision for the time, uh, especially Joe Donahue, Noel Koran, amazing vision. So that was a great background and a great footing to get from a theatre point of view and an acting point of view. Um, actually my dad also performed in many Marion Choral Society productions, and he had a lovely voice. We never got to be on stage together, though. <laughs> I have fallen for another, she can make her own way home. Music is such a huge, huge part of tune, still is to this day. When I was growing up, there were numerous bands the Saw Doctors, Too Much for the White man. Oh my gosh, there were so many bands and there were gigs all the time and it was a very exciting place to grow up and lots of fun. Of course the Saw Doctors have had Quite a lot of success, and they're all fantastic. <laughs>
1: and speaking of Irish womanhood being a force to be reckoned with, no one knew this better than Jacqueline's dad.
0: I'm one of seven girls. That includes triplets, actually. So my parents had six children under the age of five. So it was a pretty busy household, and there was great excitement in tune when my triplet sisters were born. Later, we had Karina join us, our baby sister. List
1: your six sisters from eldest to youngest. Okay, after, you were the eldest, so I'm you. the
0: oldest, yes. So it's Jacqueline and then Helen, who was born on my birthday one year after me. So the 16th of April, we're just a year apart, and then the following year, Sharon was born. And then a little gap, and then the triplets, Jer, which, which she, it's Geraldine, but she doesn't like Geraldine. So, Jer, Magella, and Mora. And then many years later, a surprise, Karina.
1: By many years later, Jacqueline means 12 years, which indeed made Karina a surprise.
0: That's the seven of us. So, all <laughs> girls, no boys. <laughs> Nephews, but no boys. <laughs> being one of seven girls. It was a very busy household. Our home was, oh my gosh, it was like Grand Central Station (laughs) with lots of family and friends in and out all the time. We had a wonderful childhood, very happy home, filled with love and laughter and lots of activity with seven girls, as you can imagine. Oh my gosh, we were always getting into mischief, you know, getting into divilment and everything. We were funny. I know that I am not alone, that my sisters also feel like me, that we feel very fortunate to have had a wonderful childhood, very happy. Christmas was always a very, very special time. My parents always made it special. Actually, when the triplets came along, my parents were having identity bracelets made for them, but my mother couldn't wait to bring them out for a walk. So uh, she tells so many funny stories about them coming home and about when they were babies. On the first trip that she brought them for a walk, I'm not sure if you remember the big old silver cross prams with a, a twin pram with a hood on either end so she decided to write their names on the soles of their feet and put two babies on one end and one on the other and she thought the idea was genius and went and did her shopping and when she came home she discovered that the babies had the names rubbed off from kicking their feet so she didn't know who was who so she decided to rally the troops with the three older children who I might add were only three four and five Uh, so she brought us in one at a time to ask us who was who which of the triplets were who so to this day we don't know if the names are correct (laughs) My mother's name is Patsy and my father's name is Kenneth, so Patsy and Kenneth Keeley, they met in Toome, they were both from Toome. My dad grew up in Bishop Street, the house that we actually grew up in. And my mother came from Gardenfield outside of the town, uh, farm outside of the town and they actually went to England for a couple of years. They moved to Birmingham, and that's where I was born, and my sister Helen.
1: Remarkably, so many Irish in the nation's recent history, like Jacqueline, with their lovely Irish accents, were born outside the island of Ireland. I can include myself in this group. I recall many of my friends and classmates in Galway City having a similar story, with birthplaces all over the UK, throughout Europe and the States, and even in places like Africa and further afield. We were the children of parents who went abroad but then came home, babies in tow. My lifetime has seen the emergence of an Irish migrant much more likely to see emigration as something that comes with a return ticket. And Jacqueline's UK birthplace did her no favours years later, as we'll see.
0: They stayed in England uh, for only two years, and uh, then her mother passed away. So uh, they returned to chum and had the next little girl, Sharon. So we were, you know, like steps on the stairs, uh, one after another, and then the triplets arrived. My mother's father had died in 1957. She was only 14. So my mother raised the the younger children. She was one of 11 children. So she, you know, had to help out at home. I suppose that's where my mother first got her motherly instincts, you know, Unfortunately, we have had a pretty tough year, a traumatic year. Um, We lost both, both Mammy and Daddy this year, well within a year. They were young, Mammy 75 and Daddy 76, and Daddy had poor health for a couple of years, and he declined all of last year, you know, from June really onwards. He had a couple of months in hospital and then recovered a bit and came home. Then he declined again right at the end of 2020. I wasn't able to go home actually because my husband had bad luck with health last year. Anyway, daddy declined and I was able to go home on the 4th of December. See him, but unfortunately, the night before I traveled, he got an infection and ended up back in hospital again. So I quarantined for the week, and then I got to see him in hospital on the following Saturday, and he was due to come out two days later for Christmas. So everyone was so happy that he was going to be home for Christmas and uh, we were all looking forward to it, but a couple of days later he got a stroke and he didn't have a good week and unfortunately he passed a few days later, that was Christmas week. You know, the funeral was a few days before Christmas and it was, it was a hard time, but you know, we were, we were together and we were relieved that he wasn't in pain uh, anymore. Then as luck would have it I suppose I don't know unfortunately with the climate that we're in right now with COVID at that time the Christmas week the UK variant of COVID arrived in Ireland and swept through the town, through the country, and um, Mammy got sick at the beginning of January, and it was a big shock, big huge shock to us. She was home for a few days and trying to manage the, the symptoms at home, but her breathing declined and her levels declined, so she went into hospital on the 17th of January, which was the same day as Daddy's month's mind mass. Uh, she literally went right after the month's mind mass and was okay-ish that week on the treatment. You know, it was. I'm, I'm not sure if people are know the treatment, but it it is pretty invasive. You know, you're on a, a breathing hood and an oxygen hood, and there's proning, and it's it's pretty invasive. But we were very lucky that we had the opportunity to have a Zoom call every day with her uh, for that first week. But unfortunately, it was bad luck. She um, She got clots in her leg one week after she went in due to COVID and had to have emergency surgery and the next two weeks were not good. And she, she passed away three weeks after she went into hospital on the 7th of February. So it...
1: There is nothing I, or anyone, can add to Jacqueline's words as she describes her profound loss. But I've been there. John William Finnegan and Maura Bani-Innagon are no longer a mere phone call away. Even when you lose just one parent, something falls from the sky, something you took to be eternal, like a planet or a star. Even if your head always told you that that day would inevitably come, gone now is their gravity, gone is the force that kept you safe and gave you your bearings, your refuge of last resort, and your heart spins weightlessly into endless space. When Jacqueline speaks of her parents, she floats between the present and the past tense as she struggles to find herself a new orbit in this life. Knowing Jacqueline, and the strength her parents gave her she'll get there
0: people and feel very fortunate to have had them in our lives for so long. Daddy was a real comedian. He had an amazing sense of humor and he had lightning quick wit. He was very, very funny. I remember when we were teenagers and we had boyfriends and they'd be calling on the phone (laughs) daddy would answer the phone and he'd say good evening the archbishop's residence and the, the boys would just click you know he'd change it up all the time you know good evening guard the station you know? <laughs> he was very funny I and, imagine with seven
1: daughters like, <laughs> it must have been like just crazy for him crazy you know? and
0: yeah. and my mother was uh she was the glue that kept Us all together. Um, She was an amazing woman, very progressive for her time, very creative and inventive. I mean, as you can imagine, with six children under the age of five, you know, with triplets, she out of necessity, taught herself how to sew. She became a very gifted seamstress, you know, starting off making clothes for the triplets, you know, that that they would be matching. Even though she was a stay-at-home mother, she had her own business, her own um, dressmaking business, and did incredible creations, incredible wedding dresses, prom dresses for... New Year's Eve balls, I mean, all sorts of galas. When my husband Johnny and I bought our home in Goshen, <laughs> a little Victorian village in the Hudson Valley, uh, we bought it 16 years ago and she came out almost immediately and several times and made the most amazing drapes for the rooms. I mean, incredible. And no pattern or anything. She was just incredibly gifted. She has helped all of us throughout the years. She was an extremely grounded, practical woman. She just had an uncanny knack of being able to sit down and think through a situation or find a solution out of a tough situation. We have her to thank for giving us those values of being grounded and practical, and no matter what we did in our lives, we still have that in our background. She was always instilling in us that, you know, to be financially stable in each of us, no matter what we did, you know, enjoy your life and, you know, pursue your happiness and your dreams. But you know that practicality was always instilled in us to be to be able to stand on our own two feet, <laughs> I suppose
1: before we leave for America with Jacqueline, young Chum girl that she was, there's just one other thing about the place we need to shine a light on so Chum, was there a kind of a Chum language?
0: Paul, yes, how do you know? (laughs) Yeah, it was quite witty and clever, and someone from outside of the town really wouldn't understand, you know, unless you were from the town. But, yeah, that's I didn't realise he knew about
1: that. You told me some of this way back.
0: I am not really good at it, so I'm sorry. I I can't even give you a a sampling. But, uh, yes, yes. I know a few words. Like for a, a girl was bure. Actually, there is um, a bure and a "sham." So a "sham" is a fella, a guy, and a "buer" is girl. And I remember one of the bars in the town, the Square Inn, where we had oh, many, many happy, uh, fun moments with music and everything. But. On the doors of the restrooms of the, the ladies and gents was viewers and shams. <laughs> Definitely very witty.
1: Coming to New York, what possessed you what to possessed get up me? and land in New York long ago? Um,
0: well, I... I was really young and I had left school all right and was, you know, involved in the theatre. Actually, I was doing a play at the time called A Thief of a Christmas by Tom Murphy. And we had performed it in Tjum and then it was moving on to the Thaivjark in Galway. But I had come to New York on holiday, on vacation, uh, right before we did the first production and of course why wouldn't I I fell in love with New York so I just had it in my head that I wanted to come back
1: start spreading the news I'm leaving today
0: So I did the first production of A Thief of Christmas and then the second production, my role was recast, I should say, and I came to New York and I I lived in Queens, not far from here actually. When I moved here first, I moved to Woodside. I had great friends there and it was very exciting. Of course it would be, you know, coming to the big city
1: and the landing pad that is also a launch pad for new arrivals from ireland the ones that went before
0: when i came over first i came over to my aunts uh, my mother's sisters she has one sister that lives in flushing in queens and I stayed with her for a while, and at the time, there was another sister. She lived in the city, so I got to see a lot of them. You know, in my early years, I started working right away.
1: When Jacqueline talks about work here, she's talking about the day job.
0: My very first job was working for a law firm down on Wall Street, I worked there for three months and then I moved to another law firm up on 43rd and Madison. I worked in that law firm for nine months and then I got the Morrison visa one year later and I got my citizenship as as soon as I could. Well, I, I don't know if I should say this, but for that very first job that I had working for the law firm, I didn't even consider looking for any other kind of work. I immediately went to the office kind of work. So I will never forget that first interview that I had at that law firm, and it was with the owners, and I was so green, literally off the plane. So... The two owners interviewed me and they said, look, you seem like a hard worker and we have seven other Irish girls working for us. They're all hard workers. I know you don't have a number, but just come in tomorrow and have one. (laughs) So I did that. Of course, it's a different world now. Absolutely.
1: Of course, there was that little detail about Birmingham, England on Jacqueline's birth cert.
0: I was very fortunate, very lucky to be one of the recipients of the Morrison visa. And I was really very lucky because I didn't qualify for the 17,000 allotment for Ireland because I was born in Birmingham, even though I really didn't live there. I literally don't remember anything else. I'd only remember Chum. I was only a baby coming home. So... I was under the smaller allotment for all of the United Kingdom and that was only a 3,000 visa allotment so I was very lucky to get it. So after that I went working for a financial company and I was there for many years and it was a terrific group of people it was really really fantastic and They were very supportive of me with my acting career. They came to many productions and allowed me time to rehearse and audition and time off. Really a fantastic company. So I was there for many years and that afforded me the ability to have an acting career and still be financially stable, which was very important, (laughs) especially to my mom. I work for a financial company, a private equity company. I've been with them 11 years. They're a terrific team. I love working there. I feel very lucky.
1: (laughs) Will they listen to this podcast if you tell them about it?
0: Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) You get to use all sides of your brain. You have to have your your business head on and be practical, and you know get projects done. And then it's nice to be able to use the artistic side as well. I moved from Queens up to Riverdale, I bought an apartment there, and was able to still commute and work and have an acting career.
1: So, Jacqueline's life in acting. Not the day job Let's explore that now
0: I am in SAG-AFTRA For Stage Film yeah. TV Somebody Equity as well Over the years then Some of my favourite productions would be Let me see The Lonesome West That was by Martin McDonough. That was actually not in the city That was with the Virginia Stage Company uh, A beautiful theatre And great fun down there and Pillow on the Stairs was the most recent. That's by Brona Crahan. Absolutely fantastic play based on a true story. And I was very fortunate to be a part of that. And it, that was a huge, huge part of our lives. Both my husband, Johnny, and I performed in that with Brona herself. Yeah, it was really fantastic piece. We did it in the Bronx. First, we did a week or a couple of weeks in An Bailbhacht.
1: An Bail Bacht is a wonderful Gaelic Irish expression which translates literally as the poor mouth and is the perfect way to describe someone who frequently complains of not having any money. It's one of those little snippets of the Gaelic Irish language commonly used by the Irish today a phrase that proves to me that the Celtic fairies are still working away there.
0: And then we did it in the city at the Cell Theatre. So that, that was, I suppose, workshopped, and the story grew over a period of time and years, and it was an amazing play, and Bron is a fantastic writer, and that was a, an honour to do that one. An Bel Bacht is in Riverdale and they had quite a big following theater-wise and had numerous productions there
1: Has An Bel gotten enough recognition for being a supporter of the Irish arts in this time You
0: know I'm I'm not sure about that Paul I think they could get more of a clap on the back there have been so many talented people Performing there. There have been numerous productions, you know, that would even use it as a gateway to going into this, the city. I mean, extremely talented uh, actors, fantastic productions. And they also have a huge music background as well and fantastic groups. I, I don't get to go there that often, unfortunately. I remember
1: in the 90s, like early in the 90s, it was like this little literary oasis yes. up in Riverdale, and yes. I remember being very fond of going there. Full disclosure, I actually met Jacqueline originally in an acting class at the HP Studio on Bank Street in downtown Manhattan during my own brief and wondrous life as a thespian. Hopefully you won't need to look that word up in a dictionary. I actually starred in two plays off, 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 Broadway! (laughs) With the great Jacqueline Keeley, I'm proud to say, one of the two plays was The Good Thing, written by County Kerry's man of letters, the late John B. Keene.
0: In The Good Thing... Brona Murphy was one of the actors with us. She was a fantastically gifted actress, really, really terrific. I did several productions with her. She passed away a few years ago, unfortunately, but very, very gifted. We did the Playboy of the Western World together as well. So I played Peggy Mike, and she played the Widow Quinn. So there was great... Banter and camaraderie, and uh, and on stage the chemistry that was um, a competition, you know, for the playboy. <laughs> well, but that was great fun. I really loved that role. Actually, I yeah. loved playing Gerline in *The Lonesome West* as well, and the Yellow Pearl in *Da*.
1: And now a word from our friends at the Celtic Irish American Academy in Galway. My name is brian fahey director of the celtic irish american academy i would like to invite you to join us on our next program which takes place in salt hill goble from july the 10th to 23rd 2022 our two-week immersive summer program for high school students is now enrolling come join us on this wonderful adventure in a classic irish setting this is caitlin from parkland florida In July 2019, I attended the Celtic Irish American Academy as an emerging Irish-American young leader, fully immersing in the culture and heritage of Galway, Ireland. We stayed with an outstanding host family for two weeks, touring and attending classes on leadership, business, and volunteering. The memories I have and the friendships I made will last a lifetime. For more information, visit our website at CelticIrishAmericanAcademy.com. And now... Back to
0: centerpiece and why. I feel very lucky to have been in numerous fantastic productions and been a part of fantastic theatre companies. I did really great productions at uh, the Irish Repertory Theatre, Da. Uh, Eclipsed, Shadow of a Gunman, uh, The Hostage, uh, The Irish Art Centre, Moonshine, The Lobby. The Lobby actually was written by Don Creedon, who is a fantastic writer. That's actually where I met my husband. Yes, we were both cast in it and became friends and we did several uh, productions together. I'm married to Johnny McConnell, he's from Cavan, Ireland, and we were fortunate enough to do quite a few productions over the years together, both on stage and and even on film most recently. We did the Irish Repertory Theatre, we did The Hostage, we did a production of ourselves alone, also in the city also with Macala Theatre Company in the Bronx. We did a film by Colin Broderick, an extremely talented writer and director, called Emerald City. And that was filmed in New York about maybe four years ago. And it's a really fantastic film and very clever and very humorous, but very sad also. It's actually based on the construction world and one person in particular. It's semi-biographical Colin Broderick's story, how he started off in, in construction and then slowly but surely began writing. Yeah. handy
1: enough around the house like, he like any good cabin man he
0: is multi-talented not only is he a terrific actor but he is multi-talented so i'm very very lucky to have to have him <laughs>
1: where in calvin calvin where in calvin is he from
0: baileyborough
1: and i bet she's very generous
0: He is. He's not the typical Cavan man. He is extremely generous and also with his time. And he's very funny. He's a very witty, clever, funny man. (laughs) And he's been very kind and very patient with me over the past year. I'm very grateful to have his support and his love this past year, which was very difficult. My best friend.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: As I mentioned, we bought a Victorian home in the Hudson Valley 16 years ago so even though we don't get to act all the time now we got to use our creative side and restore the home it's a beautiful house uh, an old Victorian built in 1881 and we're enjoying doing that and it's in a lovely little village called Goshen (laughs) in the Hudson Valley we have a lovely little thatched cottage in Shrul, which is just at the Mayo border. It's really a cute little village, actually, because it always reminds me of um, that movie, is it Glockamora? Uh, one side of the bridge says, welcome to uh, Galway, and the other side of the bridge says, welcome to Mayo. It's a lovely little thatched cottage.
1: Did you put the thatch on it or it was there or what?
0: Johnny actually put the thatch on it originally and we restored it as well and you know have been doing it up over the years. So there's always something to do. We had to redo the thatch a few years ago <laughs> because that doesn't last very long. Actually Johnny had it when I met him over the years we've been restoring it and refurbishing it and so, so he
1: actually had this little cottage near Chum did. and he met you and you were from Chum can like, you believe it? a few it? miles down the road would
0: like. you believe he used to come into Chum to kafolas to get chips and we never met <laughs> so had to, to come to New York to meet
1: on a stage in the Browns
0: <laughs> there you go <laughs>
1: What are the low points in a career like acting? What are the
0: oh. hard parts? Yeah, I think it's it's important to, to talk about that, actually. And, and I suppose I'm grateful to my mother for instilling a sense of responsibility and being grounded and always being financially stable and being able to pay your rent or your mortgage. But I suppose a couple of the low points are... You know, if um, sometimes it could be several months between a production. So I suppose financially, that's difficult for some people. And maybe that's a reason why people have to have something else to sustain them financially. Of course, it's extremely competitive. There are more movies being made now. But gosh, you know, in the 90s or two thousand, there really weren't... An awful lot of Irish movies being made, you know, and the competition was pretty steep. And and even for theatre, you know, I mean, very, very steep. There'd be numerous auditions, callbacks. You'd see the same faces all the time. Everybody was friends and, you know, you'd tell each other about a production or an audition and... Uh, Yeah, steep, I suppose.
1: (laughs) Were you ever particularly disappointed you missed out on a role? I think I was
0: fairly lucky when I was younger. Very fortunate to get quite a few roles that I wanted. There was one. I remember being very upset at the time. I had been workshopping a production. Oh, God, this is years ago, Paul. It was called Ourselves Alone, actually, a very good play really really strong female roles and when it came to casting I just assumed I got the role and then I didn't get the role but the actress that was cast was fired 10 days later so they brought me back so so I did get to play so there you go (laughs)
1: Is there anything current in her acting career that Jacqueline would like to promote? A
0: film by Colin Broderick called A Bend in the River, written and directed by Colin and filmed entirely in Tyrone in Altamuskin, a beautiful, beautiful part of the country. Both Johnny and I were in it. Fantastic story and it stars John Duddy, Kathy Cura Clark. Who is Aunt Sarah from Dairy Girls, you might remember her from that. And Grania Duddy is in it also. Brendy Broderick, as I said, Johnny McConnell. Kate O'Toole, who is Peter O'Toole's daughter, is in it. So it's a really fantastic production. And the score actually is by Colin McInnomra. Uh, who's a very, very gifted musician and both Colm and Kathy Kira clark were nominated for IFTA awards for the film. That's the Irish Film and Television Awards for anybody who doesn't know. It actually was released and available on Amazon two days ago. I hope people listening watch it and enjoy it.
1: We discussed the low points of acting, but what's at the other end of the scale?
0: The good stuff. Just being exposed to that much talent from the top down and being fortunate enough to be a part of an amazing production and feel, just feel the response from an audience. There's nothing like it. I mean... I don't know what I could even liken it to. I suppose I... I get what rock stars feel. New York has been so... Good to me, my life would have been very different had I stayed at home or got a job in the bank. Or So I think New York is the greatest city in the world.
1: <laughs> You're not alone?
0: No. The amount of talent, uh, you know, since I came here that has come through New York is exceptional.
1: Actors spend a lot of time in rehearsal and backstage during productions, getting to know each other.
0: Literally, you do become like a family and you have lifelong friends and um, uh, uh, anyway, that's, that's it. So I still think I have my Irish accent. I don't think it's gone yet. My sisters might disagree, but I don't think so. When I came over first, I was completely embedded in the Irish community. I was living in Woodside, then Sunnyside, and completely just surrounded by an Irish community. Even when I lived in Riverdale, you know, it's very close to Woodlawn. You know, you would eat there, you would socialize there. Pretty much all of my acting career they were all Irish productions so I was surrounded by 90% Irish during all of those productions all different actors of course I still feel like I am very much Irish you know I I do I feel American I suppose when I go to Ireland (laughs) if that makes any sense. I feel different when I go to Ireland, different from when I lived there. Maybe everybody feels that way, that it's, you don't feel like you 100% belong anywhere anymore. There's always going to be a portion of you that's Irish and always a portion of you that's a New Yorker. But maybe that's a really good mix. (laughs) Might be a good combination. Uh I feel happy about it anyway. I feel fortunate. New York's been very good to me. My youngest sister, Karina, is uh, living in Sydney, Australia. So she's there for 10 years now, I think. Unfortunately, because of COVID, she didn't make it home to see Mammy and Daddy before they passed. But... We have a little bit of good news. She just had a little baby boy four months ago and his name is, in honour of my both of my parents actually, his name is Remy, but his full name is Remy Patsy Keeley Kinshin. And he is gorgeous. We just got some good news that Australia is opening up finally, and she and Remy are coming home for Christmas so we'll get to see them. We'll all be together and we're going to bury Mummy's ashes at that time. (laughs) Nothing like a little baby, so looking forward to it. I did a couple of voiceovers and audiobooks and an audio voiceover for the the Irish Tourist Board over the years. So other than theatre and film, there's those things as well. Yes, I have amazing friends, uh, some in the industry, some not in the industry only here a a couple of months three months and my first couple of days uh, on 43rd in Madison thinking oh wow I'm literally round the corner from 42nd street I should go and see what it's like you know all these stories of course it wasn't anything like the stories it had been completely cleaned up by the time I got here (laughs) I just want to go back
1: to the cabin stereotype, which I think is complete nonsense. <laughs> I have yet to meet a cabin man who's not more generous than the counties around. You know what I mean? He's just a, <laughs> I find, well, cabin people, not just cabin men, but cabin women, cabin people I find are generous in spirit and, you know, when it comes to the few dollars as well. So I don't know where that. It must be some blaggard.
0: There must be some Monahan. truth somewhere, yeah, Paul. There, there's always,
1: there is that. There is that.
0: Actually, one thing I didn't tell you, I got to wear my school uniform for several productions, several plays. So that's the one perk of still being five foot, I guess, that I didn't grow, it still fit me.
1: Our conversation with Jacqueline took place in October 2021 in the library of the New York Irish Centre in Queen's be sure to check out our website at centerpieceny.com. C-E-N-T-E-R-P-I-E-C-E-N-Y dot com. There you'll find out everything you ever wanted to know about this podcast, but were simply terrified to ask. And there too you'll find lots of interesting stuff in the show notes for this episode, where you can poetically pursue further knowledge and understanding of the unique town of Chuam and the life and times of Jacqueline Keeley. Will we leave it like that so...